This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Justin Strong and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strong. Joining me each week is the other show, and he wants to know what happened to the pug, Ryan Nelson. Justin, it's funny you mentioned that. I love this movie, but I felt it could have used a pug and a cat that milks. <laughs> yeah, so that's an inside joke. If you have not seen 1984 Dune uh, or listened to our podcast on 1984, actually, that's not out yet. That's going to come out on Monday. But uh, we haven't discussed 1984 Dune yet, but I'm excited to discuss it. So <laughs> we'll be discussing that one yes. a little bit. Discuss, and, and, the, and the pug and the milking cat did not make their way to this <laughs> they version. did not. So, uh, anyway, so like I said, uh, shame. I'm excited. Damn to- shame. Excited to talk about that one, but I'm also excited to talk about this one because this is just a, yeah, a, a, a damn fine movie. So, uh, if you're new to the show, we hope you enjoy it as we talk about Dune Part 1 as we are doing Dune Week here on the Main Attraction Podcast. Uh, whether or not you are new or you're regular and would like more access to the show, you can visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash the Main Attraction Podcast and you can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a 3 5 10 or $20 level. And when you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show if you want ad free access to the podcast any level of being a patreon supporter will get you the show ad free doesn't matter which level you're signing up for uh, but if you want additional bonus content if you want uh, bonus episodes things like that that's where the five the ten the twenty dollar level come in uh however uh if you can't help us by being a patron then we would love it if you just went on spotify and apple Podcasts, left us a five-star rating or if you've got any other player that allows you to rate then just give us a five star or the highest rating on whatever platform you listen to us on uh if you have time we'd love for you to write us a review while you're on apple Podcasts. all those things do a lot to get the podcast in the ears of new listeners also if you want to interact with us uh, you can do so by sending us an email to mainattractionpod at gmail.com we'd love to hear any thoughts or questions you might have any uh, suggestions for things to cover we'd love to hear all those things so head over to mainattractionpod at gmail.com another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, quick reminder, uh, like I have said in the past couple weeks, uh, we are doing a YouTube channel now. We put this sucker up on YouTube, so you can watch it on YouTube if you want. If you just really want to see our lovely faces, you are more than welcome to go over to YouTube and check it out. Uh, also, uh, TikTok, we're doing those. I'm also putting those things up on Facebook Reels. Those things, those are really getting a lot of uh, a lot of interaction. Yeah, the most recent one I did, they got like, like the one on Madam Web and like why it was doomed to fail, got like a thousand views or something like that. So. Wow. Uh, so, and yeah. remember, the camera adds uh, at least 40 pounds on here. <laughs> at the very least. So, uh, yeah, so like I said, uh, I'm, we're trying to get some things, do, doing some things that might uh, kind of like spur the spur uh, viewership or listenership. Actually, we actually do have viewership now. Uh, but, yeah, so if you're ever interested in TikTok, if you like those things, I'm trying to get those things pushed out. Uh, like I said, it just takes a little bit of time because you got to cut and edit and all that fun stuff. So, anyway. Like I said, you can find us on, just if you if you are on YouTube or on TikTok, look up the Main Attraction Podcast. You should be able to find us. I know our our username on TikTok is at Main Attraction Pod, so uh, you can find us on all of those platforms. Now, we are discussing, like I said at the beginning of this, it's Dune Week. Uh, it's actually Dune Two Weeks because we are prepping for Dune Part Two, which is yeah. going to be one of the biggest films of the year. I've got it. When we did our uh, most anticipated films that we're looking forward to this year, this was mine. Uh, Dune Part Two. It's the one I just cannot wait to see. I'm just really, really excited about it. Uh, but we're doing prep for it by 
reviewing today Dune Part 1, and on Monday we will release our Dune 1984 uh, review. We are looking at both of those, but we're not talking about 1984 yet, so let's talk about Dune Part 1 uh. right now. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, he is the director of this thing. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, what all have you seen by him? I haven't uh, seen everything, but what have I, you seen? I have not. So I've not seen his earlier moon, the earliest movies he's mm-hmm. doing. I ha- and I haven't seen Enemy, but I have seen Prisoners, Arrival, Sicario, Blade Runner, and then this. And I think that's that's all of them, isn't yeah, it? I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, this guy might be the best director out there. He's It's him and Nolan. He doesn't miss. He yeah. is incredible his movies are visually stunning they are epic in scale they just look incredible the way he is able he did the same thing if you saw arrival or if you saw sicario when they're showing like battles just the way he's able to like show the screen and the scope of everything and just blade runner too like the way he slows it down Mm -hmm. where you're getting everything and it almost feels like you're there I don't know how he does it, but man, I love when he's showing you know something, especially when when they were being attacked in, right. in this. Like it was just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, every time a ship took off, it looked real. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, he's he's he's, fan- he's one of my favorite directors. Yeah, he's fantastic, and I've always said Christopher Nolan is my current favorite director that currently making movies right now uh that is the case denis villeneuve he may eventually challenge it and look i have not seen all of his stuff if i yeah. go if i go check yeah, out what, the, uh, the ones have i have seen, seen uh i've obviously seen this one uh, i've seen arrival fantastic film Rival. Uh, uh, yeah awesome. incredible i absolutely loved it just fantastic uh yeah. blade runner 2049 uh there was one more no i need to see it that's one i've not seen. no crud i gotta pull up his now prisoners I, is frightening there's one more I've got. I've seen. I just cannot think of it right off the top of my head. So let me pull him up and see which one it is. But there was. No, I haven't seen Enemy. Uh, what has he done? Denis Villeneuve. He has directed uh, Arrival, Blade Runner. I thought I saw four of his films. Oh, uh, nope. I guess not. I've only seen three. Hmm. I thought I saw. I thought I saw four. Well, you're about to see four. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking. I'm about to see a fourth one. So, uh, but like I said. What I have seen from him has just been phenomenal, and I'm just in awe of just some of his filmmaking techniques. Mm-hmm. One, I think he's kind of like the opposite of, of Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan might be the master of technical filmmaking. I think he is mm-hmm. incredible from the technical side of filmmaking. Denis Villeneuve might be more a master of the, like the artistic side of filmmaking. I think he's yeah. got such an artistic yeah. look at the way, like when you're watching this right. film, just the shots and the way that he like sets things up and the thing, the way he puts his, his actors in certain positions, you get just incredibly yeah. beautiful shots throughout the course of the entire thing. It's just absolutely stunning right. to watch. And I was re- the, the second time watching this, I, I really caught a lot of those things. I didn't catch the first time. Um, yeah. And he also is, what he brings out of actors. Yeah. Jason Momoa has never been better in a film. No, he's not. He's he's fantastic in yeah. this. Mm, you're, and, you're right. You know, he's worked with Josh Brolin a couple of times since Sicario and this, and Josh Brolin is just Josh Brolin's a great actor. Right. Like great actor. But he's so good and when he's, you know, working with Denise. Like just I don't know how he brings it out, like all these people. Chalamet is just phenomenal. Mm. Like he is a superstar you can't keep your eyes off right yeah it's it's just absolutely amazing to to watch everything on this so let's talk about when this movie came out it came out in 2021 uh when this came out warner brothers decided made the decision that throughout the entire course 2021 all their films would be sent directly to the theaters but they would also go directly to hbo max which is now just max uh, for the first 30 days that they were released. Did you catch this in theaters, or did you stay at home? I caught it at home, and I wish I had gone to the theater. Yeah, I did the same thing. There was a reason for mine, though. I just cannot remember, but I do remember when it came out, I was like, I'm not going to be able to catch it or something like that, or it's going to be a while before I can actually make it to the theater. So I just turned it on on a Thursday night when it came out, and I turned it on and watched it. And look, it's it's still great, even on television. It really is. It really it is. is. But like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to see yeah. To see this thing on like the really nice theater that we have here in Collierville mm-hmm. on on Friday night, so that's going to be just fantastic to to, to watch. And so. I will say, 
this movie, you know, I remember really enjoying it when I watched it. I liked it even more the second time around, and I was just like, damn, this is a good movie. This is a good movie. Yeah, I'm the same way. Well, one of the things I think that helped the word me... masterpiece shouldn't be used a lot. I'm not so sure this isn't a masterpiece. Uh, that's the word. I, when I was sitting there watching it, I was like, this is actually, this is a, just a complete total masterpiece. And that was the word I thought yeah. of when I was watching it. Because, and the first time, I think one of the things that hindered me when I was watching it, I had just read the book probably about two or three months prior to, to having watched it. And so I was kind of getting into a trap of, well, what are they doing that's similar to the book? What are they doing that's different from the book? So I was kind of doing that. And it's been three years now since I've read the book. And watching it this time, I wasn't thinking about the book so much. Uh, so I was really, you know, just able to focus on the film mm -hmm. more so this time. And, like, the first time we see that sandworm, it is majestic. I, I mean. It really is. I, like, I, well, this is a little spoiler, like, the 1984 version of of the sandworm, it, it's actually one of the better looking parts of it. It, it is until they rot it. Oh well, yeah, that's the way uh, we're going to get into that later on. The, but uh, the sandworm, the sandworm at first looks awesome. Yeah, like, but it, as good as that looked, like it looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's nothing compared to this. I mean, no. absolutely nothing. I mean, and look, I know you know, 37 years later with new new graphics yeah. techniques, all that type of stuff makes a difference. But it's still, I mean. Just the grandioseness of that sandworm is—it's yeah. just yeah, so, is a good word. It's just so amazing to watch. Like it's terrifying, but it's just awe-inspiring to watch that sandworm come out. It's right. like I said, it's just so incredible. You know what's kind of interesting? I thought too, and I don't know—I haven't really researched, but you know, Villeneuve really uses a lot of Frank Herbert and david lynch's screenplay yeah it's pretty much the same movie yeah. you know a, a similar but this one you can actually understand yeah. and keep up with the plot the other one if i hadn't watched the original if i hadn't watched this one and then gone back i wouldn't know what's going on you could pick this up pretty quickly right. without ever watching you know do 1984 or reading the book and i think that's whatever the way he's showing the plot the little things he does like it makes it where you can understand what's right. going on in that world and like i said i really think he's using a lot of the same david lynch frank herbert the the creator of the book who wrote the first screenplay i think he's using a lot of their screenplay he is and one of the biggest differences is just and we'll talk about this when we talk about the 84 version but the biggest difference is this is like a i don't remember how many pages it was uh it's like 700 750 pages and then there's like an additional 75 to 100 pages in indices that are in the book itself so but one of the things that he does and i think this was the start of this really really bad trend a lot of people especially like when they sent out when they did the critic screenings of this of this film they didn't have the Dune Part One on it, yeah, and yeah. a lot of like some of the negative critics, like there's not a ton of negative uh, critic reviews of this thing, but you'll see a lot of them. Like that's their biggest thing is like this thing just ends, and is this like a? Are they going to continue this later? What are they doing? Right. And they went, but before it released to the masses, they went back and put the Part One in there, so the people yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I remember vividly Sean Finnessy on Twitter after he saw this in theaters, and once the once the review embargo was up he puts on twitter well dune it's a movie like because he was he was kind of ticked off about it but then yeah, when, he, yeah. when they explained to him it's a part one because like i don't know how this gets lost so much nowadays or how people yeah. aren't why people aren't yeah, explaining does. this because right. i knew some for whatever reason i knew this was going to be a part one and that they were going to have to make a second movie they, i don't think they had determined they were going to green light the second movie yet they were waiting to see how this yeah, one did and that's what it is just like they haven't green light the third movie which we know they're going to make one right so uh like i said that i think that was the big thing with for a lot of people mm -hmm. is they don't really know if this was they didn't know this was going to be a part one of part two yeah. so uh but one it's this is a two-hour and like thirty-five-minute film, and it takes yeah. you about to about the two-thirds point of the book. Uh, so we're about two-thirds of the way through the book when this thing finally comes to an end, and it just takes the time that it needs. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, that it, yeah is. it does. Uh, it does. Because we spend a lot of time on uh, what is the name of the calendar? Uh, I can't remember the name of the calendar. I can't remember the name of the original of the planet that they're, they're from. Uh, 
but they spend a lot of time on there. And what Denis Villeneuve does so incredibly well is he gives us a great contrast of the planet that they're coming from to the planet that they're going to. Like, Calendar... Yeah. Oh, i got to look up this name of this planet. I can never remember what the name of the first planet is. The Atreides planet. Uh, but, like, when they're there, it is just this lush. Yeah, it looks like Caladog. Uh, yeah, hold on. What planet do the Atreides live on? Yeah, Caladan. Caladan. Uh, so, when they're on Caladan, it's incredibly lush and green, and there's just water mm-hmm. everywhere. I mean, like, you, whenever they step outside, there's this huge lake, this huge, you know, vast reservoir of water. And then when they, so you compare that to where they're going, where, like, water is so precious, like, when you spit, that's a sign right. of, 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 yeah. of respect and greeting instead of, like, a sign of disrespect. So it's just these little things that Villeneuve just kind of understood and that he got that David Lynch, he just focused on different things. Yeah, he did. And that's just that's the difference in the films. He he focused on the thing Villeneuve focused on the things that needed to be in in the book and made it to the movie that were important. Whereas Villeneuve and whereas Lynch focused on things that I think he probably should have ignored, which we'll like I said, we'll talk about when we get to the eighty four version of Well this. Villeneuve did a much better of the world building. Oh yeah, much better. Far, far better. So Because uh, you know where you feel like you're learning about each place. Right. And you know, and getting an idea, and you can adapt to where you know the moving or whatever. And one of the best things that he does, because one of the, and we'll talk about this again, is we'll, we talk about the nineteen eighty four version. One of the reasons why it took so long for this movie to get to the for the first version of this movie to get made, and then for another version of it to get to get made. If you read the book, so much of the book takes place in the inner dialogue of Paul and some of the other characters. A lot, most of it's inner dialogue in himself just the things that he's thinking mm-hmm. the things that he's going through the dreams that he has the visions that he has and nobody wanted to touch it because of that because they like yeah they're like that's gonna be just almost impossible to make that film it's just gonna be really really difficult yeah and what what Villeneuve does is he trusts himself as director and he trusts his his the act the performances of his actors to just give us that without actually having to come out and say anything right right there are so many moments where if you compare the this version to the nineteen eighty four version, where the, where Timothy Chalamet is thinking something in his head, and you can tell that he's thinking something. Where in the eighty four version, we're hearing this really awful voice over narration. Yes, yeah. That that they're giving a lot, like, lot of whispering. Yes, that they're giving us in that nineteen eighty four version. That like just trust your actors to give it to us. Just yeah, yeah. I mean that's the biggest thing. And like I said, yeah. it's just they do such an incredible job of giving us all of that understood dialogue that that you're supposed to be able to portray i mean look i mean my when my wife asked me a question and i don't really i'm not really fond of like what the answer is like her asking and like maybe she's asking you know, are are you okay with having i don't know uh liver for for dinner I'm like, uh, yeah okay yeah that sounds great like she can tell i'm not really happy about that i mean yeah. that's that's what people do we we we, right. we express emotion and we express feelings yeah. with our looks and with the things we do and you know people can read that we have to trust it they have you have to trust the actors to do the same thing so uh yeah. and that's just it's just absolutely fantastic so all right tell you what, let's take a real quick break and then let's discuss some of the actors specific performances all right All right, let's go ahead and start with the star of this thing, uh, Timothy Chalamet. We've never covered him before. This is the first time that we have yeah. ever covered him on on the podcast. What all have you seen by him? I haven't seen a ton of things, but I've seen a few things. What have so you seen? I've seen Lady Bird. I've seen Call Me By Your Name. Call Me By My Name. I've seen. He's in a movie with Beautiful Boy. Uh, I've seen more than I probably realized on him. He's seen Little Women. Uh, Little Women, yeah. he's in that. Um, yeah, that's well, that's probably the main thing. Oh, he's in Interstellar. Is he really? I don't remember him in Interstellar. He's one of the. He's the son. Oh, okay, okay. I, I didn't realize I'd seen him in that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So yeah, he was really good in Little Women too. I haven't seen Bones and all, but yeah, I like. I, I he has whatever. Oh, don't look up. I've seen that too. He was okay. really funny in that. He's good, and he's really good. This is the best movie he's been in. Yeah, his performance is unbelievable. Like I said, man, he just has that presence that, like, and just the way Villeneuve is, you know, uh, showing him. I know the character's supposed to be like fifteen or sixteen, right? 
but like I mean, he looks still. I know he's mid twenties. He still looks pretty young. But like, uh, he's just man, he's striking. He's, he's just like he just has a presence about him. Yeah, I mean, he's got kind of the Leo thing going right now. He's still he's a big, he he's, Leo is his biggest is his biggest comparison. Yeah, he's got the babyface thing that he's that allows him to still play a lot of younger roles. Uh, he can still do you know yeah. people in their late twenties and early thirties if he wants to, but because he looks so young in the face, it's going to allow him if he wants to keep playing you know older teenagers. He can probably do that for a few more years until he kind of gets yeah. a little bit more seasoning in and his, he was in his so face. Good at- and he's so good at the teenager parts, like looking like a teen, and like the way he's excited when he sees Gurney mm-hmm. and Duncan and, and the play, people like that. Like just the excitement. He like he looks like a teen. Yeah, he, he does. Uh, I see him in a few things. I haven't seen him in a ton of things. Uh, obviously, I've seen him in this. Uh, I saw him in the French Dispatch. I'm not a huge fan of that film, but he's really he's, oh, yeah, yeah. he's really good at Wes Anderson stuff. Uh, like I just wasn't mm-hmm. a fan of the film. Uh, I saw him in Little Women. That's one of the first things I saw him in. Obviously, I saw him in Interstellar. I didn't realize. I didn't realize that yeah. was him. This was long before his his stardom days. Obviously, uh, saw him in that. Uh, I guess that's it. Now that I think about it, I'm not really sure. Oh, Wonka. I, I saw Wonka. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. And that's very. Di- it's a very different performance from him. Uh, it, I think he's really good at it. I think as an optimistic version of Willy Wonka, I think he does a really fantastic job of it. So, uh, but what he does so well in this and what he does just what he gets right in this film is this struggle that Paul Atreides is going through especially in the book because this is like the whole thing he he is being told by so many people by his mother by the Fremen that he is this like prophesied leader and this prophesied messiah and like he's also having these visions of it and you know there's a there's a there's a struggle with him because that power and that and that you know wanting to rule that's something that is he's drawn to but it it also scares him because there are times when he sees that he doesn't become something he wants to be and so that internal struggle that he's constantly having in inside himself you see it on his face you see it in his portrayal yes. that's just what he does so well you can see it in his body oh like, yeah he's struggling and like not to mention he's having the visions of him becoming the messiah and getting killed right and like he's really struggling with that uh and you could tell it's like it, it's it's bringing him down it's hurting him like like you said his posture at times right he he almost looks like he's got he's got the whole world on his shoulders like he knows it's you know Obviously, this is like a Jesus type story because right. you know Jesus had like similar visions or whatnot. That like you could tell it's he's struggling because he knows he you know has to save these people. Right, and like I said, he but he also fears because he has the visions as well of him also yeah. becoming a tyrant and becoming right. just this horrible person as well. So uh, you know that's not something he wants to be, and that's it. Like I said, the, what he does in his performance just really resonates throughout the entire film when, yeah. when he's struggling with this. Rebecca mm-hmm. Ferguson, we have actually covered her a couple of times. Uh, we covered her when yeah, we did Silo, Silo, Mission Impossible. Yeah, Mission Impossible. She's perfect for this role. She's absolutely yeah. She's really good. She's so incredibly perfect for this role because for Lady Jessica. You needed somebody who could give you vulnerability, but really strong when she needs to be. And that's like just perfect for Rebecca Ferguson. Yes. And also the, the like mystical like mm-hmm. aspects of her. She's doing a good job of that. Cause she's like, she's got her whole other fantastical world going on right. and she's, you know, dealing with that. And then, you know, she's like conflicted because you know she's with paul but she's also you know has a, what is her her group called the jenny Bezeret. yeah it's like she's got that going on too so she's conflicted to them i'm so sorry Benny she's being pulled. I, I got it backwards i said yeah, jenny Bezeret. so she's being pulled in different ways and you know i thought they were married but oscar isaac is i guess just her baby daddy yeah that She's so like she's being pulled by him too. Right. So she's being pulled in all these different ways, and like you said, I like I like the way, uh, you know, that that they have her being done in that some so many different uh, aspects. Yeah, if you if you're not familiar, if you haven't read the book, if you're not familiar with with the story of Dune, if you're a Star Wars fan, you should know something very important about this. If you if you watch this film and you're like, 
man, this looks a lot like Star Wars. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, because this book, George Lucas has said this on many occasions, this book, Dune, is one of the biggest influences he had when creating Star Wars. So, obviously... And Dune, it's obvious. Yeah. Dune, Arrakis is very much... Is very much tattooing. I mean, it's just yeah. getting around it. I mean, it's Which, it's, it's God tattooing. bless. We've seen enough, enough of it of late. Yes, we have. So, uh, you know, obviously Luke is uh, Paul, and Paul is Luke in this story. So they're like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of parallels between the, between them. You know, because Luke has that struggle throughout the course of those three movies. You know, mm -hmm. will he turn to the dark side? Uh, and he's constantly struggling with that throughout the course of all. He three didn't films. want to be, and he didn't want to be the leader. He right. didn't, you know, he struggled with that. So, like I said, so if you're wondering, like, man, this seems like Star Wars, but there, there is a reason for that. It's because George Lucas yeah. took a lot of this from Star Wars. And one of the things that you can see in this, and there's going to be some more stuff as well. Um, we start talking about the fighting of it, uh, which we'll probably have to wait more to talk about with the 1984 version because I don't want to possibly spoil anything. Um, but the the voice, the the voice that the uh, Benny Gesserit that they use, this is kind of like where the Force is formed in George mm -hmm. Lucas's stories for Star Wars, where they can like, I mean, you know, Jedi mind tricks, where they like tell the stormtroopers, yeah. "These are not the droids you're looking for," and they they just like, oh, right. "These are not the droids you're looking for." So that's kind of like where this thing originates. Like I said, when we start talking about the fighting style as well, we'll get into that as well as probably more for 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 the 84 version, but we'll talk a little bit about it later on. So, uh, Oscar Isaac, one of the things that I loved about what Denis Villeneuve did, he got some really big stars to play some side roles. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, yeah, Oscar yeah, yeah. Isaac is kind of at the front of this thing because, you know, an hour and a half in this film, which is going to, looks like it's going to end up being a, uh, a trilogy of a film. Oscar Isaac's done. He's, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on Oscar Isaac? He was so good when he was here though. Man, yeah. he was good. he, he can play a leader. Yes, he can. I mean, and they do a really good job of aging him up. And see, he and he yeah. and Rebecca Ferguson. Because I, I don't know right. how old Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. I don't think it's forty. Yeah, because she's not old enough to be Timothy Chalamet's mom. But they do a good uh, job of uh, making them yeah. appear to be old enough to be his mom. Yeah, so. yeah. And and well, Oscar Isaac is that gray and the beard and the gray, yeah. you know, and the, and the hair. But he he looked like a leader. I liked the way he presented himself. Like he was not intimidated by the other countries, and he was like, I, you know, I'm not going to be intimidated. He he was really good. Yeah, I, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, like I said, we don't get a. He's gone after about an hour and a half of this thing. Uh, when like when I read the book and I saw, and I read that, you know, the the character that he was playing, Luke, uh, Leo Leto Atreides. When he dies, like, oh, they got a, they got Oscar Isaac, they got it dies pretty early on in this thing. I was like, yeah. I said, I was really kind of surprised. Uh, Josh Brolin played. Well, I think well, I think working with Denny would be also a big reason. Oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it is too. So, uh, speaking of which, Josh Brolin plays Gurney Halleck. Uh, he's kind of gone about halfway through. We will eventually see him again, obviously, because he doesn't die in this thing. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, look, we spent some time with Josh Brolin, quite a bit of time. Uh, he was great in Outer Range. He's yeah. he's really good as Gurney in this thing. What he is really good. Especially, you know, the comparison to him and Patrick Stewart. It's a different type role, but I love the way he plays it. He's so tough. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, no nonsense and like the type of person you want leading your military. Yeah. Uh, Jason Momoa, like we talked about him a second ago, as Duncan Idaho. Yeah. Weird name, Duncan Idaho. But, yeah. uh, I know. But as you said, this is this is the best we have ever seen Jason Momoa. He's, yeah. he's fantastic. One of the best scenes in this thing for Jason Momoa, I mean, look, he's just this, you know, incredible hulk of a man. And yeah. he's... When he's when they have been betrayed, when the Harkonnens are coming to him, when they have made their way to to Arrakis and they have started their invasion, there's this moment when he is trying to find Jessica and Paul. He's getting, he's going to an ornithopter, which let's talk about the ornithopters later. But uh, he's going to the ornithopter and he takes out like five different. Harkonnens that are like guarding the ornithopter yeah. and there's like four more in the back there standing there next to him he just kind of like look, points his knife at him and like they're like okay we're good no we, we <laughs> yeah. don't want any part of that we're, we're yeah, out yeah. take it it's all yours like to, yeah. just because this is one of the things that's so great is the fighting style that the Atreides use it's supposed to be different and it's supposed to be like this yeah. superior version of fighting and like I said we'll talk a little bit more about it with 
1984 Dune because I think they're going to go into why they are so great and why they're so incredible as fighters. The problem is they just don't have as many, and they talk about that a little bit in um, one of the scenes of this film. But in no, I will say another thing about Momoa is he looks like he's having fun, which the rest of the cast does not. Yeah, yeah, you're you're correct. I mean, Jason Momoa looks like he's having a blast. I mean, yeah, and that's true to the character as well in the book. Yeah, in the book, Duncan and Paul have this playful relationship in which you know paul respects gurney halleck tremendously but like his buddy is is duncan and that's the guy that he has fun with uh but gurney's the guy who's like responsible for his training and all this type of stuff so uh it's very very true to the to the book in that sense Uh, but like i said he's just fantastic and that moment when he locks himself inside that hallway you know, we get oh, we, we man, get yeah. range from him because, like I said, he's this kind of silly character yeah. when we first meet him. But now he is like, I'm going to protect my lord, my my duke, because he's now the duke. Yeah, I'm going to protect him with my life, and he just is awesome in that one. That one, he moment. is. Uh, I was really interested when they announced Zendaya was going to be in this film, and she's Chani. Because yeah. when I read the book, it's like. She didn't really show up until a lot later in the book. Uh, I was like, uh, how? Because they show her all over the trailer of this thing. I, I was like, how are they doing this? And we don't get a lot of her character. Uh, so we're obviously going to we learn. Get a lot of fly, we get a lot of visions of her. Yeah, we get a lot of visions of her, but we don't get a whole lot of her. Were you surprised by that when you watched this first time? I was when I saw that. Because, you know, Zendaya, like you said, was all over the trailer. And I think she is listed second under the yeah, characters. Like, she is. So, yeah, I was shocked how little she was in this. Yeah, like I said, I was really interested to see what she they- was, When I watch it a second time, it was interesting. I remembered, I, I was like, I knew Oscar Isaac died. In my mind, he had a smaller role and said Daya had a bigger one. I was like, no, that was, Oscar yeah. Isaac has a much bigger role. Yeah, you're correct. I mean, when you watch trailers and watch advertisements for Doom Part 1, you think, you know, Oscar Isaac has the smaller role and Daya has this huge role. And look, she is going to when we get to Part yeah. 2. Yeah, but. She's not in this one. So. Yeah. Uh, some other people let's talk about. Uh, Javier Bardem. It's interesting, his career, because... I forgot he was in this. Yeah. yeah. He, when I watched it again, yeah. And he's perfect for this role of Stilgar. Yeah, he is. It's interesting because his we thought he was going to become this major star after uh, No Country for Old Men. And he had some roles, but it didn't take off quite like what we thought. you got to yeah. use him right. And they use him perfectly yeah. in this. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice to see him and Josh Brolin back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not seeing no Coach Brolin. Oh, yeah, that's right. They were, well, no that's right. They were yeah. in that together. I, for, I always forget that Josh yeah. Brolin is that because he looks he looks a lot yeah. different than he did back then. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like I said, using him as Stilgar is just yeah, fantastic. It. It's just fantastic uh, casting on, on, uh, on yeah. their part. Um, one of the things I think they could do better, uh, Thufur Hawat, played by Stephen McKinney Henderson, one of the things I think they could have done better in both movies is explaining what they do because uh, they don't really explain it. Like you can see, like his eyes kind of like roll back at one point when he's mm-hmm. calculating stuff. And like I said, they don't really explain this stuff really in either film. Uh, basically, though, in this world, there are no computers. There's machines, but there are no computers because okay. they've got like basically a a Skynet type event happened where the computers became self-aware and like rebelled and like they had to like take out. So like computers are banned and throughout the entire galaxy or universe or whatever it is. Uh, and so in place of them, they have people like this who are like trained and like can do oh, this okay. calculating and stuff inside their heads. And see, I never got that from either film. Yeah. No, like I said, both films I think could have done a lot better job of explaining what their role yeah. was, but they don't do, they don't do that. Neither of them do a really good job of this. So, uh, we get Dave Bautista. Uh, he plays uh, yeah. Robin uh, Raban. Robin, I can never pronounce his name. Robin uh, Hark- Harkonnen. Uh, again, you know, a, a, a relatively much role. yeah, a much smaller role than you would think for somebody like Dave Bautista. But getting the opportunity to do this movie, I'm sure, was just something he couldn't well, resist. I'm sure he's going to have a bigger role in the second one. Yeah, he should have a bigger role in the second one. Uh, he should. So well, also he. he you know, he was in Blade Runner 2049, and that was a huge role for him. Right. He ended up getting much bigger roles after it because he was such a serious character and had right. a great scene. 
So I, I, I'm sure anytime Denis calls, he's in. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's very much the case. Uh, still in Skarsgård as the Baron. Oh, he's so good. He, he's great. Uh, look, he's great in just about everything that he does. Uh, yeah. But they just, just the creepiness that that character mm-hmm. has. Yeah. What is the deal with how much taller he's getting? It's he has this. I'm not sure if it's like in his suit. I can't remember. I think it's something in the suit that he wears that he levitates because he's so enormous he can't walk anymore uh so okay he has to, if he's going to move he has to levitate wherever he goes because okay. i and mean he, he is like the embodiment of like gluttony and pure like yeah indulgence because he just like he does he denies himself of nothing uh and like that's kind of what the character is supposed to represent uh he is so okay. he is so indulged himself in everything that he wants and enjoys and doesn't he will not let anyone tell him no that he's just gotten so large and so so enormous that he can't even walk anymore he has to have, be levitated everywhere mm-hmm. so he was still alive he didn't die they found him on right. the, they found the him in the ceiling right? yeah yeah because so he's gonna be in the yeah he's he'll be in the second one uh he's like the shield because he puts his shield up right before he gets the the poison gas tooth gets yeah. set off and that uh, that's could basically we, what saves him. could we have not adapted the poison gas tooth what a weird thing i know i guess frank herbert couldn't figure out another thing to, to write about i mean a gas tooth what the hell <laughs> uh one of the interesting things then like, we're gonna it talk- looked bad in 84 and 2021 yeah, yeah you're correct it didn't look great in either one uh one of the interesting things i found very interesting especially from 9th to 1984 version uh, Dr. Yui, he is played by Chang yeah. Chen, and we'll talk more about this when we talk 1984 version. It's good that they actually... That was actually, uh, Dean Stockwell. Yeah, it's Dean Stockwell in, in the 84 version. When you read... immediately looks like a villain. Yeah, he, he looks like a villain. But this just kind of shows where we've come since the 80s in filmmaking, just how, you know, we've gotten much more sensitive about the right yeah. things. Because right. when you read the story of Dune... It's very obvious they are describing him as like an a person of Asian descent, and like they, oh really? And they got Dean Stockwell. Well, they like if you I, I don't know how you probably weren't paying attention to this because you hadn't read the book. They kind of tried to make Dean Stockwell look that way. If you if you think oh, about the geez. way that he looked, I did not. Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> so like I said, it's now that I'm, yeah. If you if you oh. think about it, you're like oh yeah, they they're kind of doing and that. And people don't like diversity and making changes. People, come <laughs> yeah, on. Uh, so like I said, I just uh, like I said, he's played by like Chang Chen. I'm, I'm not familiar with him, but I'm like I was just so yeah. glad to see that he they was got, good though. Yeah, he he's was good. good as the doctor. I'm just glad they got a, like someone of Asian descent to play that character yeah, for this yes. film. So uh, one of the more interesting things that they did in a lot of, and there were some you know incel uh, incel vibes coming after they announced this decision. Liet Kynes in the book and in the 1984 movie. Played by a man because the character is a man in in the book. Played by Sharon Duncan Brewster in this. Uh, I'm not real familiar with her, but yeah. she looks familiar for some reason. I don't. I couldn't place her, and I couldn't find mm-hmm. anything that I'd seen her in. But her version of Liet Kynes is just fantastic. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it's one of those roles. Who cares if it's a man or a woman? Know. You can swap that out. I know. But you know, you people do. People do those things. Oh, so. there's yeah. Uh, the last person I want to talk about. We don't see him very long. Uh, that's Jamis played by Jamis played by Babs. I can never pronounce his last name. Olasen Uh He's the person that Paul kills at the very end of this thing. Okay. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. I can't. He's been in a lot of stuff. I yeah. can't tell you. I know I've seen him in a thousand things, but I can't tell you what off the top of my head. Don't you watch Star Trek: Strange New Worlds? Yes, that's right. That's the one thing I've seen okay. him because he plays the doctor. The yeah, he plays okay. one. He plays the doctor in that. Uh, and like I said, he's in a lot of stuff, and he's he gives the vibe of this like overconfident, overeager, just yeah. you know, a whole character at this point. And like I said, we don't get him for long, but he's really good in that little scene that we get him for. Yeah, he was. I really liked that fight scene. That that was great. Yeah, and that's kind of like. That's kind of what they're taking us into. What is going to probably end up being a big part of of part two. Uh, so we kind of let's kind of just kind of go into that a little bit. Uh, part two. What I think they're going to end up focusing on is this thing that they kind of like sort of hint here at the end, because the Fremen basically ambush Paul and Jessica at the very end of the film. And like I said, this is about the two thirds point in in the book. 
And they expect to be able to take them easily. And when not only does Paul not only just kind of have his way with with the Fremen, Lady Jessica does too. And this completely takes them off guard because Stilger is like the king. He, he's like their leader, and uh-huh. he's supposed to be the best fighter because this is the Fremen. This is the Fremen order. Whoever is the strongest is the leader. So Stilger should have been able to take her easily. And they're just yeah. completely shocked and off guard that she was able to take this. So I think they're going to be focusing on just the way that they fight throughout the course of this thing, throughout the second one, and this is how he like kind of is going to hopefully amass an army. What are your thoughts about what they might do here in the second one? Yeah, I thought this. You know, I thought like I know that it's going to lead to Paul being the leader, right? And and it, it felt like that, even if you hadn't watched the 1984 or read the book, right. you can you, you, you feel that. You, yeah, they've been they've been prophesizing it, and you could feel it like. He is about to take over. Him and Zendaya are about to take over. Right. Yeah. Like I said, so that's that feels like that's what's going to end up taking place. I'll be really interested if how far they go in. The, look, they're going to have to wrap up the rest of this book in this second part because, like I said, there's only about a third of the book left, and the movie has yeah. got like a two-hour and 45-minute runtime. Yeah. Uh, I'm just really interested to see if they go beyond the end of the book. And this, I don't want to spoil like well, where it ends or anything like that. So. It sounds like it will because they're bringing in Anya Taylor-Joy, who sounds like she's in one of the other books. Uh, yeah, and like they have not announced her character. And when they, when they, because there was rumors that Anya Taylor-Joy might end up being in this thing. And uh, when they were like, when I was going through like the character list of like people who've been announced for part two, I was like, like I, there's nobody left for the book, so yeah. uh, and I haven't and I have not read past Doom part. I have not read past Doom. I've not read Doom Messiah, which is the next book. I've heard they fall off big time after okay. after Doom. So I was like, I'll just I'll just stop here. So and if they do movies, then I'll catch them later. But um, so yeah, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do because, like I said, there as yeah. far as I can tell, there's no other character. Well, there's there's maybe one character that she could be playing, but I'm not real sure. But they've kept it. Completely under wraps. Uh, mm, they uh, have. And the, like, nobody I, was I really think she's a character from the second book. She may be. And we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But, uh, but yeah, it kind of like everybody, like, they finally like broke it. Like, when she shows up on the red carpet, like, yeah, I'm in the film. And so you can finally go yeah, ahead. Yeah. You can finally go ahead and tell people I'm in it. So. And that's kind of the problem with like, you can't hide people anymore because she was seen on set or something. Right. And people were like, Anya Taylor Joy's in this movie. They're lying. You right. Know? Yeah, so like I said, I'll be really interested to see who she ends up playing in this thing. So, all right, uh, anything else you want to talk about, or are we ready to do our awards? I, I think we're ready to do our awards. I mean, we both love this movie, and yeah. I, I just I'm so hyped for part two. Yeah, I am too. It's it's it should be great. The early reviews are fantastic for it, and I'm, I'm yeah. ready to see it. So, all right, let's do some awards. All right, here on the Main Attraction Podcast, whenever we are covering a movie or a we wrap up a season of a television show, we give out six awards. All six are based on the six characters of Friends. Up first is the Rachel, the star of the show or movie. I'm assuming we're giving the same person, but go ahead. Yeah, it's got to be Chalamet as Paul. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a second ago. He hasn't got an Oscar yet. I'll be really interested when part two comes out if he ends yeah. up getting a Oscar nod for this thing. Uh, I feel like this thing is going to have a lot of Oscar buzz. Look, it was supposed to be in the contention for Oscars for 2023, but with the with the actor strike, they wanted they wanted their no, stars. It's 2022. Yeah, uh, no, no, this this come out. You talking about the you're talking about part one came out in 21. Yeah, part one came out in 21, but part two was supposed to be 2023. Oh, you're talking about. I got you. I got you. It was pushed back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah part one got pushed back because of COVID. I got uh, in the twenty. Sorry. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, but part uh, when the second when second part two comes out, it was supposed to be a, a, like a big time Oscar. People thought yeah, it would be a big time Oscar contender in twenty twenty three, but they pushed it back because they wanted their stars doing the promotion. They wanted that. They felt yeah. like they had something really good with this, and they wanted to maximize its earning potential. So they they held it off until until this year, and it's. It's going to have a really good chance because there's not a whole lot coming out this year. Uh, I mean, obviously we're right. not we're not in Oscar season for for movies, but uh, if you look at the slate, there doesn't appear to be just a whole lot yeah. coming out. So uh, great review so far. I'll be really interested, like I said, to see what 
Oscar buzz this thing gets because it's still it's so yeah. early in the year. But you know, everything everywhere all at once showed us that you can still be released early in the year and still get tons and tons of Oscars. So, yeah. uh, like I said, I'm really interested to see if Chalamet gets uh, Oscar buzz after this thing. Uh, next is uh, the Joey, the character that you just love that isn't necessarily the star, but somebody you just enjoyed. Who is your Joey? So I went with Josh Brolin as Gurney and Zendaya. Okay. Uh, I didn't put Zendaya on any of this just because she's not in it a whole lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. But this is where I went with Duck in Idaho. I just I just thought he was a, a, I need a somewhere joy. Else, yeah. yeah, I thought, just thought he was absolutely yeah, a joy. Yeah, he was. Uh, all right. Actually, you know what? No, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I, I'm with, with Gurney Halleck here, too. My bad. So, excuse me. <laughs> I went with uh, Duncan Idaho here in just a second. So, your Chandler. Yeah. Who is the person who made you laugh the most? I went with Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho. He has really the one laugh where yeah. uh, where uh, Javier Bardem spits, and then he spits you yeah. know, with him as a sign of respect. Yeah, and he also has the line where he says, uh, he grabs uh, Paul's arm and says, have you gotten bigger? And he's like, have I? And he's like, no, yeah. But <laughs> like I said, that was, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a good moment. There's not a ton of laughs in this thing, yeah. but he does provide yeah. him. So, but yeah, this is where I, I was looking at my notes wrong. I had, I have Jason Momoa here as the Chandler as well. Uh, next is the Phoebe, the oddball of the bunch. Who'd you go with? I went uh, Phoebe. I went with Javier Bardem. Here. Yeah, he was the one for me too. Uh, he look the, the Fremen are different. They're very you know, yeah. and that's kind of the point. They're living. You know, they're desperate. And you people. don't know if they're villain or you know uh, heroes. Right. As well. You know, and you really aren't even sure going into the end of this thing. You really don't know. You know what yeah. what Paul and Jessica are being led to. Like, are they being led to their death? Yeah. What's going to happen here? So, uh, you know, that's very much still the case even at the end of this thing. So. Uh, the Monica, just somebody who's got a vital role to the to the film. Who'd you go with? I went. I went with uh, Paul's parents, Oscar Isaac and Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, that's that's the way to go with this. Uh, I thought they were they were fantastic. Uh, like I said, Rebecca Ferguson is just absolutely awesome. Oscar Isaac yeah. is great too. Uh, we just don't get that yeah, much of him, he but he's he's great when we do have him. Yeah. Uh, last but not least is the Ross, the character you like the least. Who was your Ross? I, I went with the Baron. Yeah. The weirdo Baron. And I also threw Dave Bautista's uh, Raven uh, Harkonnen on here yeah. as well. I, th- I threw him on top of that. So uh, that's two big dudes. <laughs> so I'm looking. Yeah. Stellan Skarsgård's not quite that big, but uh, Dave Bautista, he's a big dude. So Yeah. He uh, is a, quite a large man. Yes, he is. So, And they're both just absolutely awful human beings in this film. So, you know, kudos yeah. to them for nailing that part of it. So. All right, here on the Main Attraction Podcast, we have a five-tier rating system. Whenever we finish up a film, we assign it one of our ratings. At the top of our list is a succession. Beneath the succession is a loss. The middle of the road for us is a friends. Beneath the friends is a full house. And bottom of the barrel for us is a Baywatch. What are you rating Dune Part 1? Uh, I called it a masterpiece, so that's obviously a succession. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like, yeah. It's like you said at the beginning of this thing, I was blown away just the second time like i said i enjoyed it the first I know, time i liked it more yeah i was too i i was just in awe the first time i thought it was good the second time there was just something about it that was just all do you think it's because we watched 1984 as well does that make it even it better might. <laughs> it yeah. might. so that might have something to do with it i don't know but yeah, it, yeah it was it was just like i said it's just an absolutely fantastic film i was so impressed yeah. by it so i, I felt the same way all right so, before we sign off for this week, we'd like to do some recommendations. What are some things you've got to recommend this week? I don't have a lot. Um, one of them is, uh, it's a movie on Hulu, Taiki Watiti's latest movie, Next Goal Wins, starring Michael Fassbender. Oh, uh, yeah, I heard it that. It came, came and went to the theaters. It was really good. Michael Fassbender plays a soccer coach that gets sent to the America Samoa team, the worst team, uh, the worst national team in soccer, and right. it's about them getting a team together uh, try, trying to not come in last place and actually score because okay. they've never scored. And it's a it's a really fun movie. You know, Taiki knows what he's doing right. and it's heartwarming. I don't know why this wasn't a bigger hit and why it was kind of dumped because it's a lot of fun and it's just heartwarming and it's what Taiki does best. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, I, oh, it's I, on Hulu. Yeah, I heard kind of similar things about it. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, some people really like it. Some people really hate it as well. So, like I said, I, I have not seen it. Uh, the people who hate it don't like, you know, Schultz. What do you call it? Like, 
like uh heartwarming, heartwarming. Like, feel good like, stuff yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah. that's quite possible so uh i have yeah. not seen but one episode of my recommendation this week uh, i hope to watch more of it i did enjoy the one episode of the last airbender that i saw uh like i said i it looks it's the first episode's good uh i don't know i have not looked up the ratings i have not looked up what the reaction to it has been i just know there's a lot of people who thought it was who saw the animated version that were like ah this can't be nearly as good maybe it is maybe it isn't and like i said i haven't seen the animated version i thought the first episode was good i have not finished it uh i hope to finish it at some point but like i said what i've seen so far is good i haven't had a lot of time to watch anything outside of that but I did enjoy that first episode, so hopefully the rest yeah. of them will kind of go the same way. Yeah. Oh, and let me. I, I want to mention one more thing. Uh, we owe Sarah Love from 2005 to 2015 like some back praise because people weren't. I remember when they were like, "This show wasn't funny." Every once in a while, a reel will show up, and it's a skit from back then when I wasn't watching, and they're all hilarious. I saw <laughs> one this week. It was with Paul Rudd dancing. There was one a couple weeks ago, and it's it's all these people that are stars now. It's Bill Hader. Mm. It's Sudeikis, Kristen Wiig, Andy Samberg, uh, Fred Armisen, Will Forte, you know, all those people from that period. It was after Will Ferrell when people were like, because there's all these periods that are like, well, the show's terrible. And then, like, you look at it later, it's like, no, Starrett Love is always funny. And it was really funny in this period from 2005 to 2015. So if you ever want to go back and and watch, it was was really good. They had some great people. It's really the last of the stars that they've Mm. had when you look at, like, Sudeikis, uh, you know, Kristen Wiig, Amy Poehler, that type. Yeah, I haven't watched. Yeah, I haven't even watched it recently either. Uh, yeah. By the time I get to Saturday night at ten thirty, I'm like, I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah. And this is uh, so I'm stopping. They all leave in about 2015, and that's before politics went haywire. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it, so th- I, it was a good time, and like I said, they'll show up in your reels. And every time I'm like, God, these skits are fun. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I haven't seen any of those, but the. I've heard similar things, uh, but I like that I haven't seen any of them. So one, maybe one of these days I'll catch back up on some of the yeah. previous. Oh, uh, Peacock. Yeah, uh, some of the previous SNL. So, all right, uh, real quick, we are going to do. Uh, we're releasing this on Friday night after we record it. Uh, but we are going to be doing the 1984 version of Dune. We are going to release that on Monday. So if you haven't seen 1984 version of Dune, uh, definitely check it out. And I, if you want to wait until after you see Dune Part 2, I can understand that. That's that's possible. I can completely understand that. But at some point, check it out. Cause yeah, you need to watch it. I'm I'm sure I'm sure we haven't recorded this yet, but I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic podcast because yeah yeah there's a lot to talk about, guys. Yeah, it is, man. <laughs> with, it's, with it's wild. So the whole backstory is wild. Yeah, it is. So like I said, we got quite a bit to discuss here uh, with 1984 Dune. So uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out and check back with us on Monday because that one's going to be a fun one. So anything else you want to discuss before we sign off for this one? Yeah, appreciate everyone joining us, and we will talk to you next time. I will echo those same sentiments, and as always, until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams come true.